Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, happy post Thanksgiving to everyone and welcome back to the Crescent Podcast. I'm their host, Leanne Lindsay, and today's interview is with quite possibly one of my favorite people, Amy Jo from Valenza Chocolatier. And she is the master chocolatier behind this incredible local chocolate brand. Her and I actually met at a really special chocolate event that she hosted in collaboration with a local coffee shop and coffee roaster, Kean Coffee. And ever since then, she did a whole chocolate class, a chocolate tasting. I was hooked on her chocolates and just so captivated by her personality and the reason why this is such a fun episode to share not just because of the holidays we're all looking for some really yummy things to share with ourselves and with others but I am just so captivated by Amy Jo's personal story of how she came to be a master chocolatier. It was not what she came out of college doing, not even what she did for most of her life, but she began to follow her passion and her calling to live up to her fullest potential and it ultimately led her to this and I've said it so many times I say it in the interview I have had chocolate from all over the world and hers is undoubtedly the best chocolate I have ever had in my life so you are going to have to give it a try after you listen to this and I do want to say that especially for the holidays If you are going to try some and you're not local to Orange County, order as soon as possible because she will sell out. And I believe the order deadline for Christmas is December 14th. So if you're wanting it for Christmas particularly, definitely make sure you order as soon as possible. Even even if you order before December 14th, she may sell out of certain bonbons or chocolates because everything she makes is seasonal. So once she sells out, she sells out. So definitely check out her website. I have to say that my two absolute favorites are the clove bonbon and the Barolo bonbon, which, oh my gosh, I just can't even begin to describe how good they are. So (laughs) even without everything going on, I love supporting my local businesses, local privately owned small businesses. And so especially with COVID, so many small businesses have gone out of business or are really, really struggling and it weighs so heavy on my heart. And so I just absolutely love being able to give back to my community by supporting these small businesses like Valenza Chocolatier. And I know you are all going to love this interview with Amy Jo. And so with that, let's get right into it. Okay, well, Amy Jo, welcome to the Crescent Podcast. Well, I'm happy to be here today. I'm so excited because I have been dying to have you on for a while now. And I think the timing is so perfect for this one with the holidays coming up because I'm mm-hmm. going to be gifting your chocolates to so many people. 
I'm so excited to share your story too, because not only do you have an incredible chocolate brand, which we're going to get into all the amazing details of that, but you weren't always a master chocolatier and it was a fairly recent shift if I'm right. And so, you know, walk us through that a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on and being patient. I like, this is great timing, especially like you said, with the holidays coming up. Um, and, um, I've just enjoyed getting to know you so much and meeting you at King Coffee was awesome (laughs) a few years back. So, um, so yeah, so my journey, um, it's, it's, you know, while I think it's pretty unique and authentic to me, um, what I have found, um, through the years is I've met quite a few entrepreneurs who have done kind of the same shift. Uh, so I want to say, um, my business actually, um, uh, I started it in, uh, January, 2013. Um, however, if you go back, um, it was in 20, uh, 2009 is really when I started making the pivot of a career change. Um, so as you said, I had a, a situation in my life, which I think a lot of people have gone through is, you know, cancer, cancer and how it affects um, you personally, your family. Um, but what was different about this is it was a peer. Um, so it wasn't a parent or a grandparent. Um, it was my cousin. And, you know, I am an only child. So she's basically, you know, a sister to me. And going through her fight uh, for, she had ovarian cancer. Um, and she, you know, ultimately, um, you know, um, she was taken from us, you know, through it and her passing at the end of 2008, uh, it really made me step back and evaluate what is life all about? Like, this was not supposed to happen. Like, this wasn't in the plans. Like, you know, it's your parents and, you know, the, the evolution of life, your grandparents, your parents, you know, that. And to have, you know, I was 35, she was 37. Mm-hmm. And to be just like feeling like, you know, you know, the rug was just pulled out from under me. Uh, just really made me stop and evaluate. Um, I had um, a successful career. I was in commercial real estate lending and I, you know, top of my, you know, game, like great projection of my career was happening. And I, I realized I wasn't happy. Like no matter how hard I worked, no matter, you know, how much, you know, even, you know, how much money doesn't make you happy. Right. But all the little parameters like that we think drive happiness. Um, I was just like obsessed with in the sense of like, I was searching for something, but I didn't know it was that happiness and fulfillment. And I thought that that's what gave it to me is this, you know, my career. And I instantly, you know, her passing made me really step back and be like, wait a minute, you know, what am I going to be known for? What am I going to be behind? You know, you only get one shot in this life. Like you can't live with regrets. Like, is this really what I wanted you? Like all this flood of questions happened and it really kind of happened the night of our visitation to be perfectly honest as I'm sitting there and there's like hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people like coming to pay their respects. And I'm just like, she's 37, right? Like, you know, how many people's lives has she touched at 37? And it was unbelievable. And I, I just really sat there and I was like, geez, like, what's my, what, clearly she was doing her passion. Mm. 
you know, and she worked in the medical field. So her patients and like people, you know, that she may have saw only one time remembered her because she caught something that saved their life. Like, you know, so it just put me on this path of like self-discovery, you know, obviously I was very clinically depressed after her death, but like, anyways, that's a whole other topic. Um, And so I was like, what, what do I love to do? And, you know, you go to, you you know, you you go to college, you graduate, you know, you got to get a job and you're kind of on that, you know, cycle of what life's journey is supposed to be. You get married, you have children, like this whole thing that like society has put us into. And the reality is, is like, you define that. Nobody, you know, so it was like, okay, so I, so at the time, that's when like Oprah's like the vision board, you know, you would do get the magazines and like cut out and all this stuff. And so like, I would like do that. And like my husband would come home every night and he'd be like, what is going on? I'm like, just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so anyways, but my mom always made turtles and chocolate covered cherries at, um, at the holiday times. Um, you know, for like my whole life, that's, she always did them. Um, it was a big thing. And then um, on my Italian side, so I'm half Sicilian. So Valenza is my maiden name. And so that's the tie-in, obviously, my company name being Valenza Chocolatier. So on my Sicilian side, um, when they came over, they were all entrepreneurs. So um, from a shoe shoemaker, or shoe, my great-grandfather had a shoe shop. My other great-grandfather was, um, you know, an entrepreneur businessman in different businesses. My um, grandma was a cook by trade. She always wanted to have a restaurant, but she never did. Um, um, but then her family had bakeries and stuff. So you know, and my mom had a beauty salon, like right out of beauty school. So like I knew the entrepreneur thing was in there in me, but like I never had tapped into it. But we always did all the Italian cookies at Christmas. And so, you know, there was there's something about like making something and having somebody enjoy it or or triggering a memory um, when they're eating something. I mean, we have that, you know, in our own cuisines, you know, in our daily lives, etc. So I, I said, you know what, like a light bulb clicked and I'm like, I think I could sell my mom's turtles. Like, you know, this, like, but I'm like, my, my husband's like, you're going to have a business on turtles. Like what? You know? <laughs> and to, to clarify, we're not talking live turtles. Yeah, yeah, That's the yeah. type of chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, pecan, caramel. Exactly. So I, I basically kind of narrowed it down to be like, you know, I think I want to be a chocolatier and I had done a lot of research. Um, I knew I didn't want to do a pastry chef because I, in pastry school, you really only have um, like one or two weeks of chocolate work. Um, And so, you know, through my, you know, due diligence skills of my prior life, um, I was like, I think I could start a chocolate business. I realized we didn't really have um, many options in Orange County for artisan fine chocolate. Um, And then through that evolution of that process, you know, I like okay I need to make this authentically me right because again it's like I'm trying to figure out what my passion is and I knew that you know the my heritage played a lot of who I am and so going with Valenza Chocolatier um, obviously bringing in my maiden name which you know obviously I've switched since I've been married so anytime you can use your maiden name you kind of like to do it but um, <laughs> um but um but doing Italian inspired artisan chocolates and confections so everything has an Italian ingredient or they're old, like some of my old family cookie recipes are like 150 plus years old, which I still have handwritten 
recipes. Oh um, I've taken and made into different, you know, ganache flavors. Um, or like my travels through Italy. You know, it, there's a story behind everything I make. So to keep it like authentically me. So so in the bigger picture is, you know, I did this major career switch into a into an industry that I had never been into, and that's where I go back to. There's so many people I re- I've met along this journey that have done that because mm-hmm. you know you have if you have the ability to do it, it's, you can't live with regret. You know, going back to those questions I was asking myself and I said, what's five years? I'm going to give this business five years. I'm going to be smart about it. And I'm going to see where it takes me. I always can default back to what I used to do. Um, now granted I'm blessed, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in a financial situation with my husband that I, it's okay for me to do. Um, and take that risk, being smart about it. Um, but I had to try because I couldn't sit at my desk and wonder and and see like, okay, did you really live to your potential? Did oh, you yeah. fi- did you find your did you find your true north? Um, did it give you your happiness? Um, and you know that's the journey that I've been on. You know since I opened in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, it's I love that you say that because that really is my whole guiding compass in life is I want to achieve my highest potential and I want to continually grow. And that's actually what a crescent means. It means continual growth. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of the guiding principle of my life, the podcast and everything I do. But I, I just absolutely love that. And there's so many times we have that wake up call, but the fear holds oh. us back. And then we do, we get to a point where we look back and we say, what could have been? So I just, I'm so inspired and ignited by people who looked the fear dead in the face. Oh and yeah. It and it's there every day. I mean, it's, I remember when I did, um, so I work out of the hood kitchen space, um, in Costa Mesa and they had just opened as well. And it's a, um, it's a commercial kitchen where you rent by the hour. So again, I was being smart. I could control my fixed expenses without building out, you know, a commercial kitchen or a retail store here in Orange County, knowing what our re- retail rents are. And I didn't have a product. I didn't know if anyone would even buy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, but when I had my, I had my like official launch party and I had invited, you know, quite a few of the local, you know, PR from podcasts to, you know, print media, um, and it, some influencers at the time that was kind of new, uh, you know, they didn't know who I was, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like I'm just somebody. <laughs> And, you know, so it was a super success. And then the next day I was like, oh my God, now what do I do? Like, <laughs> I have to do this, you know? And it was like, I felt like I had jumped off that cliff and I was like oh, free yeah. falling. And I'm like, okay, now I need to like, you know, be organized. Cause you, I remember doing an org chart of my business. Like, cause again, I'm coming from a, you know, corporate background and I have this org chart and I'm in every single slot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I'm like down Amazing. to jail. But, um, but each day in each level of the business, as it's progressed, that fear is there and then new fear. Right. I mean, this whole COVID period, I mean, it's a whole other, you know, a whole other part of it that you, you just, you know, you don't expect. And so you always have to be quick on your feet to make right 
decisions and they're not always going to be right. But again, I, I go back to, you know, kind of my soul and I think, okay, I just, am I okay with closing if I, am I going to be okay with that decision or could I have given more? And usually my answer is, oh no, I could have done more. So then that keeps that fear kind of in check that because I don't want to regret and think like, oh gosh, if I would have done X, Y, Z, I'd still be doing that there, you know, so there's multiple things that kind of keep that fear in check, but you have to listen to yourself and you have to be open. I mean, that's one thing about this journey. Like you, you learn so much about yourself. Like, it doesn't matter what you're making or whatever. You learn so much about who you are, what your strengths is, what your weaknesses are, how fear creeps into it. But then you also learn about your family. You learn about friends because, you know, like I've lost friends. I've gained friends. You know, people think, oh, you work for yourself. Like, why can't you do X, Y, Z? You know, and the, like they don't understand the commitment that you have to people and it's your name like you can't somebody asked me like have you ever missed an order and I about like had a heart attack I was like oh my god if I ever missed an order I would not be able to sleep like I mean granted things come up where you know something may happen per se but like to just like flat out someone shows up and they're like I'm here for my order and I look at him in the eye and I'd be like what do you mean your order you know like that that's like my nightmare right <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's how to handle it just in anything like how the things that you always plan for that rainy day and sometimes that rainy day is the fear mm-hmm. well and I think it's such a unique distinction <laughs> and I'm so interested in this personally just because I, I want to have my own brand one day. I think that's the thing that we don't always realize is it is that daily sort of beating down the fear. And sometimes it's like multiple times throughout the day. And that's almost like the key to being an entrepreneur is the flexibility. And then the, I don't know, the willpower to just power through that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're you're constantly putting out a karma. You're constantly putting out like, this is what I'm doing or, you know, through your social media or, or just, um, you know, you're making things or you're developing things that you don't even know if the universe is going to take it in mm-hmm. or if, you know, your clients are going to like it or if someone's going to buy it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's this, you know, you're constantly in this like, okay, I just have to trust, but I know that since everything I make, I love. Mm -hmm. So knowing that it comes through in the product. Okay. Absolutely. And because you're never going to satisfy everyone's taste buds. Right. I mean, if we could, we'd all, you know, (laughs) everybody would be making the exact same thing. Right. I mean, everybody has a subjective taste palette. Um, So my thing is, is that if I'm, you know, working 18 hour days, Um, I better be making something that I find some joy in now, you know, I mean, I, 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 people ask me like, Oh, what's the favorite thing that you make? And I, I kind of have to laugh because I don't really have a good answer to that, except, you know, I don't have any children. And I think, you know, I think like, as if I had children, I'm sure there's on any given day, there's one of your kids that you like more than the other. (laughs) But like, but like, you would never say that publicly, 
right? You know, like, <laughs> in, you know, maybe, you know, to your, your significant other, you may say, oh my God, blah, blah. you know, and so it's kind of that same thing. Like on any given day, there might be one thing I like a little more than the other, but in general, like, you know, I have a reason why I make and I have produced these, you know, things um, to then help me with that overall aura of like, okay, it's going to come through. My passion's going to come through in my business. And the, 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 like, there has to be people that can feed that. Cause again, you're online. There's nobody like, you can't just come into my store and walk in and feel this sense of like, Oh my God, I'm in chocolate heaven. Right. You know, so my website has to do that. My social media has to do that. Uh, the way I talk about it, um, the way you read the descriptions, the way other people, I mean, that's, that's really what grows your business, right? Is how other people talk about your their experience they've had going somewhere, eating something, you know, working with somebody. So, mm. you know, that all plays into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's when you do something from a place of so much, such, it's so genuine. Absolutely. Like, I think that is what resonates so deeply with people, even if they maybe don't like this one specific okay. bonbon. And I always tell people, if no one was listening to these podcast interviews, I would still want to do them because I do it for me as much as other people. I adore having these conversations. Same thing with my website and my blog post. I'd write them even if no one was reading them because I do it for myself mm-hmm. more than anything else. So I absolutely love that. Now, okay. What is the process to becoming a master chocolatier? <laughs> well, it's kind of, I know it sounds so sexy, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Oh. It really does. <laughs> so, um, so I actually, um, so Echo Chocolat is a, um, it's a professional chocolate art school up in Vancouver. Um, it's actually primarily an online business or online business, an online school. And, um, you know, for me, when I was in, you know, college, there was no online anything, right? Like that whole, you know, part. I mean, we just started getting email. I'm dating myself. Um, you know, email and computers was like the big thing, right? Going to the computer lab. And, uh, and so that being said, you know, I had never experienced online learning. And so now I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do what online doing what, huh? Right in my kitchen. Wait, what? And, uh, and it was phenomenal. Um, Pam, um, she is, you know, known throughout the world, um, in the industry and she has put together a program that, you know, took me about four months to get through the professional part of it. Um, and so you're, you know, what people don't, well, anybody's worked with chocolate. And, you know, I don't know if you have, um, you know, tempering chocolate is like the key to my job, right? There's a chocolatier, or I should say there's the chocolate maker, which, you know, now we call them like bean to bar makers, as you, um, that's kind of a new trend in chocolate. Well, it's been out a little bit. And then, and then you have the chocolatier. So the bean to bar maker is the one who's actually sourcing the cacao and they're turning, they're making it into chocolate. Um, I am a person who sources chocolate that's already made and then I remelt it and then temper it and then, you know, make bonbons, bars and confections. So the art of my job is really the tempering process um, amongst which other is really things. really science. Yes, which is the science. And so that's where, um, so that's where I'm going with that. So you know, through the program, like you're learning all this, the things about, you know, the chocolate, the science, you know, the molecular makeup of, you know, chocolate, how that works when you add fats and, you know, emulsifications to, you know, flavor profiles to, um, 
I mean, it's, it's kind of endless. And then you have different, you know, homework, you know, each week, et cetera, just like in normal class. So it's very intensive versus, like I said, with pastry school, you really only have a week or two in your program of just strictly chocolate. Um, so I, that took me about, so basically it took me about a year to get through everything because there was simultaneous like shelf life class. And, you know, obviously you have a whole quality control, right? So when you're encapsulating, for example, a bonbon, um, which a bonbon is like, it, it's shelled and then it has the ganache inside where like a truffle is ganache and it's rolled in cocoa powder or some, or, you know, it's rolled in something. We tend in the U.S. to use them interchangeably, but they're very two specific techniques. Um, but, you know, that ganache is made with, you know, typically a cream or a butter, um, some sort of fat, you know, uh, vegan, sometimes they're using like, you know, different um, coconut oil or cream. Um, But because you're creating water activity, um, when you enclose it, um, you're capturing that water activity and that water activity um, will turn into mold over time. So, you know, you really have to understand your shelf life. Um, So there was a whole class on that. And, you know, shelf life, for example, when you don't use any additives or preservatives, which is what I I do, um, the bonbons are around a three-week shelf life, where, like, if you go into more of the mass-produced, you know, I'm not going to say a specific companies, but they're more of, like, 18 to 24 months. Um, because again, you, it's the shelf life of the product. So there's a lot of, um, learning about preservatives and especially like in the U S we have a whole, you know, the, you know, there's, a, I mean, the food code is just, you know, it's pretty intense to learn it. So you want to figure out like, are you a wholesale business or are you a drug business or, you know, are you make, you know, just in time or not? Like, so all of that plays into kind of, you know, how you're driving your products to, to have no risk of, you know, contaminating or, you know, having, you know, killing somebody because, oh my God, they, <laughs> you know, like the whole, that whole liability risk. But anyways, um, so it took me about a year to get through um, all that. So then I started my business plan and time to find a commercial kitchen, um, you know, taking the different, um, you know, food safety classes that we have to do um, under California or or federal law in California um, and learning that whole part of it. And so that took me about a year. And then the master's part of it um, is something I did in, well, also through my school, but independently, um, you can go to Europe and um, experience, you know, the Chocolate Academy, or you can go to Valrona, I chose the Italy program because, and go to ICAM, which is um, um, in Lecco, Italy, uh, to basically, you know, dive into the whole culture of Italian chocolates. How, you know, how do they differ, you know, even throughout the regions, how they differ, um, because obviously that's, you know, part of my branding. Um, and then I always try to do like continually classes um, through different people, you know, throughout the world. Um, as well. But so it's a very specific program. Um, And, you know, when I talk to pastry chefs, like, you know, I'm always so intimidated, right? Because I mean, technically, I'm not a chef. And, you know, what, but then when I talk to them, they're like all intimidated, because they don't know chocolate. So, you know, some of them don't do chocolate that much. So, so it's it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So whenever I can partner with a pastry chef, um, I am so, so honored, because I just, Mm. I admire their work. Um, I think the other thing I learned about myself in this is I didn't realize I was a very creative 
<laughs> if somebody, oh would, if somebody would have said to me, "Oh, you're so creative," you know, I would have been like, "Well, you mean the spreadsheet, the models I build?" Like, <laughs> I mean, I was so analytically, analytically driven. But you know, I had, I, I go back to, you know, I was trained classically, um, piano and violin, and but I could never improvise, right? I, mm. I didn't have that ear. Now I could read sheet music and and um and memorize and you know master pieces but i could never so i so i think at a really young age i just never thought it was creative because i thought oh you have to be creative to be able to improvise or you know different things i wasn't you know i didn't draw i mean I, i'm very much like i can see something and then replicate but i could mm -hmm. never do things on my own but i don't think i was ever really tested so then fast forward to this part of my job. And, you know, when people started saying like, oh my God, I mean, Joe, you're so creative. I, I, I like, I, I think I had this look on my face of fear. Like I didn't know how to re, you know, you react yeah, when like somebody said that. Syndrome. And I was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> and so like, that was a learned behavior for me when people would like pay me that compliment, like, you know, starting to think like, oh my gosh, I really kind of am. And so that's been kind of fun to like, you know, learn about myself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cause there's so many different types of creativity and you yeah. have to, I mean, to have the bonbons that you have, that is a hundred percent creativity. I absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now, and I know obviously there's four months of information you could condense here, but can you give us just a little chocolate 101? Because I, I've had chocolate from all over the world. I've had chocolate from Switzerland and Italy and France. And I mean this with all authenticity. Your chocolate is the best chocolate I have ever had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I don't even want to eat anything else. Someone will gift me chocolate. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so nice. And then <laughs> it just sits in my cupboard because it doesn't even compare. So what is it? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Um, I think that... Um, there's two, let, let, let's kind of break this apart of the chocolate and then actually the, what you're eating. Okay. The whole, you know, um, the chocolate itself, you know, people always ask me, well, what, what's the best chocolate in the world? And I say, I, I, there isn't like, they're all phenomenal in different ways. So you have to remember cacao is grown. Um, theobroman cacao is the tree. It's grown 20 degrees above and below the equator, you know, throughout the world. And so, you know, and then the beans, there's four different types of beans. And so that the highest quality bean, you know, there's really only, um, you know, in fine chocolate, you know, that really represents a very small percentage of the rest of the cacao. Um, so for example, like your mass produced chocolates, um, they're, they're not purchasing, you know, the highest quality cacao beans. Cause again, they're, that's what's traded on the commodities market, et cetera. So the Swiss, Belgium, they're purchasing chocolate from, you know, central South America, some of the same regions. Um, but it's really in the roasting process is where all the trade secrets are. Right. So, you know, a roast can be anywhere for up to 20 minutes. And no one's ever going to tell you what they're roasting. That, that is like, you know, no, that's the secret, right? Um, because they're trying to, they're trying to pull out different flavor profiles of the bean. Because it's just similar to coffee and, you know, and grapes for wine. You know, they take on what the environment is around them. So if they're planted next to banana trees or, you know, different fruit trees, or if it's by a volcanic area, 
you know, could be more, you know, you have more of a dirty, you know, ashy, smoky. So the beans all have different profiles. So when the bean to bar maker is purchasing them, they're evaluating all of that to create their profile in the chocolate they're making. Um, now you take it one step forward and you think about milk chocolate um, in Belgium. Switzerland, etc. Um, their milk products even different, right? Than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. yes. So the cows are fed differently. You know, everything plays into this. Okay, so I can never say, oh, well, this is the best chocolate or that's the best chocolate because it could be just a little maker in Venezuela who makes like phenomenal chocolate that's only sold locally. You know, so, you know, that you don't even know about, you, you don't even know about exactly. Yeah. So that's one part about it. So for me, I tend to um, purchase single bean origin, fair trade chocolate. So that's meaning single bean origin is that the beans are all roughly from the same region. They could be multiple farmers, but it's the same region. So it's having the same flavor profile of the cacao. And then fair trade is obviously how it is to all the mm -hmm. other industries. They're getting the fair price for that for that bean. Um, I tend to use um, specifically Venezuela, but, you know, I'm having issues with their government, you know, that no, I'm not having personally, but they are with exporting and, you know, what's going on with their government. That's a whole other, you know, side story. But anyways, um, so I'm kind of working to source some other chocolate. So chocolate, that's one bucket. But what I want to talk about if for you as the consumer and eating it and why you say like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like the best experience this does the other thing that goes to the freshness um, mm -hmm. of the product. Okay. So again, when we were talking about shelf life and the additives and preservatives and how that extends, um, I think because you're, you're getting it like within a week of it being made the way my business model is, um, it's so fresh. I mean, it truly mm -hmm. is, you know, mm -hmm. so it creates a different experience than having the additives and preservatives. Um, the other thing is, is I think um, I'm very, the balancing of the ganache formula for the mouthfeel. So, so not only is it the type of chocolate, okay, it's the ingredients that I'm using um, and the not, and the ingredients I'm not using Mm -hmm. for shelf life, etc. And then it's how I'm balancing the formulas um, to create a specific mouthfeel. So when, you know, just like wine, when you finish with wine and you have tannins, I mean, it's the whole process, right? It's the look, it's, you know, the smell when you break it, the mm -hmm. taste, you know, once you, once you finish the, um, or I should say flavor, taste, and then once you breathe that mouthfeel at the end, you know, it's kind of that same process that I think about when you're enjoying it. Um, so, so I, so I'm playing with two different, you know, kind of parts in my equation to then to give you that ultimate experience. So I, that's what I do. I don't know, you know, how other people look at it. I think, you know, from the people that I've been trained with, that's how they tend to look at it. But I think if you're the consumer and the experiences you've had with chocolate, um, I think just like anything, when you drill down to an artisan, purchasing something from an artisan that you know that they've made it, you know, you're going to have a different experience than, you know, somebody gifting you something that was made, they bought in a store, it's been on the shelf for, you know, a couple months, 
et cetera. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we have that in everything, in any type of food product, you know, when you can drill down to that local small business artisan and understand their process. Um, and, and I think your experience is going to be different. And then also subconsciously, you know, who made it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so that plays into it. Yeah. And I just love, I love how you point out the mouthfeel because I think a lot of people can relate to that experience of having a chocolate and maybe the taste itself is good, but then you swallow it and you're done and it's like all chalky in your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's like sticking to your teeth. Well, mm-hmm. it's like the, it's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. And yours, it's just, oh my God, it's so silky and smooth and delicious. And then it is, it's like that perfect wine that once you're done chewing it and you swallow it, oh my, it's like a whole other experience mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause we always say like, even if you, um, I always say, um, at, in, well, now that we're going into the holidays, a perfect thing to do is um, Trader Joe's in a, in a, I don't mean to be plugging Trader Joe's, but they, um, they do a book, a chocolate book. Um, and it usually sells out pretty fast, um, but it'll have chocolate bars from uh, like like maybe six or seven different regions. And that is such a great thing to do at the holidays is take, buy one of those and sit around with, well, now you can't maybe with your, <laughs> whoever you live with or yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have too many people at home, um, but go ahead and taste it and have that experience. And they have tasting notes. So you can learn about the chocolate from the different regions and you'll get those tannins. You'll get those mouthfeels because what you taste on the front end is different than the back end. And so the back end is that mouth is again, when you swallow, what do you taste now? Like that's just as important because that's sometimes more memorable, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's like it's like that thing of, you know, if you start a process, if you eat it and it's good and then you when you're done chewing it, it's a gross taste or a weird feeling in your mouth. It's sort of ruined the initial experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. like you said, it has to be perfect from start to finish mm-hmm. and yours absolutely is. Thank so you. okay, I have I have so many questions for you because I'm just so fascinated by <laughs> You, you have, as we talked about, some very creative products. And one of my all-time favorites is the Blackberry Rosemary Bonbon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And so the first thought in my head is, how the heck do you come up with these? <laughs> I mean, how do you test them? Well, um, well, okay. So we can, let's just work, take that one, for example. Okay. Okay. So, um, so like I had said, everything I make has a reason. So it's either been inspired to me by um, a dessert that I've had um, to, you know, um, specific recipes, you know, within my family to even different cuisines, Italian cuisines I've had um, throughout the region. But there's also a part is smell. Mm. And, you know, when you go somewhere, like I always say, like when you get off the plane in Hawaii, there's like a smell. Okay. Oh yeah. You you, you want to like encapsulate it, but you can't. You can't replicate it. It's there. Okay. I have that smell in my grandma's. Well, my you know she since passed, but as a child, every time walking into her home, there's a smell. It and she always had sauce going, and it's like that the mix of tomato and basil. Okay. Um. Then certain times of the year, it would be some sort of rosemary smell. Um, Or like if um, lemon, like, you know, when you're on the Malfi Coast, lemon, or like some sort of herbs. Like, so there's certain things like 
from a smell perspective that trigger a memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so with that one, so rosemary, really that, you know, she always grew rosemary, like, the, you know, rosemary has a very, you know, smell, pungent smell, like when you up, you know, close to it and working with it. And so, um, you know, typically berries pair well with rosemary. Um, but, and then I, and then what I'll do is I'll start a process of like, I'll just get on and start searching, um, you know, what pairs with a specific, you know, flavor profile I'm looking for. If I see it come up where, oh, a lot of people are doing it in this way, you know, raspberry with something else or whatever, I always stay away. Like, I really try to be authentic in my decision process. So it was like, so I used to, when I worked, um, before I had my own space within the hood, I worked, um, I call it like the graveyard shift at like 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. Because the kitchens would get too warm, right? Because I have to be in climate control. That's the whole, you know, again, going back into the science of tempering chocolate. So there was only one area where there's air conditioning um, in the front studio and there's a, a bakery kitchen up there. So I had this early morning shift. And so when we first started here at the hood, there was only a couple of clients because they were obviously new to. And um, there was a chef here, Chef Kyle, and he, he, I loved picking his brain, like on flavor profile and, um, and the other guy that works for him, Nelson. And so I was like, you know, I'm thinking about this rosemary and, you know, I, I, you know, I've been infusing it and cream and this, that, the other thing, you know, you know, and I really don't want to use raspberry and I really don't, I really don't want to use a strawberry and I like, cause I want to see in the berry family. And I'm, th- I'm like, I'm thinking about raspberry. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I was somewhere and I did the, the. So, like, I just started, like, brainstorming with him. So then I kind of, then I thought, okay, but, like, the raspberry has to be, like, you can't just mix it into the ganache because the, uh, like, it'll lose it. Like, I ha- it has to be berry enough to, to balance the, mm-hmm. Do you mean the, the blackberry? I mean the blackberry, yeah. To be, have enough, I'm sorry, to be enough balance. So blueberry was the other thing that we were thinking of at one point. But um, the um, the blackberry had to be um, had to be strong enough so it didn't get lost in the ganache with you know with the rosemary because that is so that is a more stronger profile. So I played around with that and then you know I came up with you know doing the two layers inside with a really concentrated of the blackberry in there. Um, so you get that sweetness but then you get the savoriness. So the beginning you're gonna taste so as we were talking about just a little bit ago about that front end taste you're gonna get the blackberry first. Mm-hmm. That's going to hit you. And then the back end is going to be this, this rosemary dark chocolate finish. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what makes it so dangerous yeah. because nothing of yours is like overpoweringly sweet where you have mm-hmm. a bite and you're just like, oh God, it's too mm-hmm. much. And I think that really speaks to how balanced your, your chocolates are. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny though, because I have this thing where like when I eat one of your bonbons, it's not like they're that big. You could pop it in your mouth and eat it in one bite. And my boyfriend does that. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you, you need to savor this. Okay. I'm like, I literally will eat one of your little bonbons in like four bites. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and I like enjoy every single bite. Well, and I say like, never pop it in your mouth, especially (laughs) in front of a chocolate chair, because like, 
the inside has just as much beauty as the outside. So you might have like three or four different layers inside. I mean, there could be a whole pattern inside that you completely missed if you just popped it in. So you, at minimum, you need to bite it in half and you need to look inside because there's a reason why it's set up the way it is, or you could miss like whatever art that's inside that's also on the outside. So, mm-hmm. and that's what distinguishes what you're doing from, say, like a C's candy. And I, you know, I don't want to, like we said, we don't want to bash anyone. No, but because so- I mean, C's is like, I mean, we wouldn't be here. And like, that's the thing. Like, when people say, oh, no, 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 what about, I'm like, hey, like, she was an entrepreneur. You know, like the fact that that company is still, around and in existence and people have childhood memories you know of seized candy like I mean that's my thing it's like there's room for everybody but like we as fine chocolate artisans wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Hershey's if it wasn't you know for the seized candy if it wasn't for the Godiva's if it wasn't for I had the local company Saruji's in Green Bay Wisconsin you know like that staple you know candy as they call it like that is generational you know, mm. and so like, granted, at some point, you have to make a choice. If you become mass produced, granted, you're going to have to start adding additives and preservatives, but there's a place for everybody, you know, mm. and so like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, like, hey, people say, well, what's your, what do you, when you go to the grocery store, like, like, just admit it, like, what do you buy? You know, like, if you're standing in line, like, come on, like, you, I mean, you know, you know, that what's the deal with all these, you know? Like, what's your go-to? Like, you have a really stressful day and you're staying in line at the grocery store and you're looking around and it's that impulse buy. What do you do? What do you grab? What, what, quick, quick, quick. And I, it's like peanut m and I'm like, you. I, there's something about a peanut m M&M that like- It's not I, even the taste. It's nostalgia. <laughs> you know, it, but it, even as the taste, like, there's just like, I'll never replicate it. I'll never make it. And it's like, it's a peanut m and M. Like, that is my, that's my jam. <laughs> Synthetic colors and all. Totally. I eat the red ones and I eat them by color. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I love that. So, okay. So now let's talk about the Academy of Chocolate Awards, mm-hmm. which is something I have never heard of. So you're going to have to give us a little perspective. Yeah. What can we compare this to? Is this like a Michelin star for a restaurant? Um, no, I mean, even I know, no, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't, it does that. I mean, Michelin is like a whole other, like, yeah, I can't, they're not apples to apples. However, um, it is, um, I, but I don't want to diminish, um, the, the award itself because, um, so, so basically we've probably got, um, four, I would say four, four to five different, um, some are just U.S. based, um, but there's probably, I, I think of three right now off the top of my head that are international competitions. Um, and what it really does is it gives a platform for for us to kind of um, not only validate, you know, what we're making, but it also tries to help us improve. It also... Um, helps us see like where the trend in our business is going and flavors. Um, and so from bean to bar makers, um, you know, are submitting their chocolate from all over the world. And, you know, again, it's helping that helps all of us as small businesses to, you know, chocolatiers who are submitting and, you know, there's tons of different categories um, that you're entering based on what the flavor profile is. It's not, you know, an infusion caramel. I mean, it's kind of, it's a lot. Um, so 
so it's important, I feel, uh, you know, for me, it was really important to start submitting my product um, when I first launched my business, because I think, again, I go back to fear, right? Um, I got to get it in somebody's mouth. And I know that it's good. And I'm not in this business. Nobody knows my name. I'm not even in the on the radar in the culinary world in Orange County, you know. And how how best to put validation on my product? I mean, obviously people eating it and purchasing it. But, you know, I know, you know, the balance of what our society is, is that like, you know, if you win something on something, people tend to pay attention more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of sought out in the beginning of, you know, submitting and seeing, you know, where I stand, um, as a chocolatier and it's not, I don't need that hundred percent validation, but it's also nice to understand and help me grow personally Mm -hmm. and professionally. Some typically you get comments back, um, and you know, their panel of judges are pristine and, you know, it helps you grow. I mean, I, the first thing I submitted was at the OC fair. <laughs> you know, I submitted my little turtle and uh, so I my tartaruga. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the first thing I submitted. And it was, um, I, I won blue ribbon for it. This was like before I launched my business. I had never been so excited in my life when I showed up at the fair and I saw that I had won first place. I thought I was going to pee my pants. I was so excited. <laughs> and like, but like the best comment was, um, the, the judge had said, roast your pecans. They asked if I had roast my pecans. I mean, it sounds so basic, right. To, to me now, like, of course, why didn't I think of it? Like, like, you know, so it was just a little thing like that to change something. And so mm-hmm. now I'm, I've been a judge at the OC fair now for the last four years. So like the rules oh, are switched like now, you know? so now, oh. now I'm a judge there and I like, that's my a big thing of getting, giving feedback. So, mm-hmm. um, so basically I kind of like stepped up in the entries of what I was submitting to. And so the international chocolate awards, um, it's a organization in London and they're phenomenal. Um, you know, they have grown their um, their business, their entries, I should say. And then they are really active in the local, um, in the London market with um, putting on different events for people learning about fine chocolate. And they bring in people from all over the world um, to talk and have groups, etc. So, um, so you basically, you know, there's this period of time you submit all of your, you know, whatever entries into London, they've got a panel of pristine judges that go ahead and, and do. Um, so this was a big leap for me because, you know, I had, I had done another international competition, but it, they did first North America. So it was just between Canada, um, Canada, US and Mexico. And then, you know, I won in there and then. I mean, I was in the Ita- I was in the Italy category for John Duya, which I mean, like, like I'm gonna win against the Italians. I mean, that would have been like embarrassing for them, But just to be considered, so I had I, you know, so that was like big. So, anyways, so I submitted so two th- for 2019. I had submitted, um, I had submitted, you know, a, quite a few products, and it like completely paid off. So my mom and I, I brought my mom um, and we went to London last year for the, um, for the awards. And, you know, it was interesting because 
um, is basically they had over um, 1,600 entries from all over, from 46 different countries. And I was the only winner from California for some of the different categories, um, which was like kind of nuts in itself. But so anyway, so we're at the award ceremony and, you know, there's people from all over the world. It was so, it was so awesome. And like I said, my mom came with me. And so as we're talking, they're giving out, you know, the awards, um, they had three different, um, like bigger awards that I didn't, you know, know that they did. And they're starting to talk about my whole journey. And I, my mom's like poking me and she's like, Angel, Angel. And the next thing you know, they're calling me up there and they, um, they had awarded me the, um, 2019 international rising star trophy. And it was pretty nuts because there was only, they only, um, they only give out three of them. And it was one person in Canada, um, one person in Australia, and I was the only one for the United States. Um, so yeah, it was pretty spectacular, um, from that perspective that like, I, you know, it was, it was very humbling because, you know, it's like, like you've created, it's so, this is such a personal business and to, to know that like, you know, wow, like I did this, I did this all by my like hands, you know, my little hands that like look, you know, they're they're just so so beaten and it just, it was, um, it was just such an honor, especially with, you know, the people that, you know, I was with like people who I admire, um, and then, so then this year, so with COVID, it's kind of been a little, um, fortunately we were in the middle of the, um, they were in the middle of the judging process. So, um, so they did not have the award ceremony, you know, this year, but I know I, I won three more. Um, I had one, um, I won for the fig, um, my stuff fig won bronze in the nut category, um, or the uh, dried fruit, I'm sorry. And then the peanut butter bonbon, um, that one for, um, a nut, the nut filled bonbon category, that one's silver. And then my, which I know you like, um, my Gucci daddy truffle. So the one that's based on the fig cookie, which is, you know, all the cinnamon, fig, nutmeg, all, all the warm oh spices, God. um, truffle, um, that one's sil- that one's silver. So yeah. So, um, so, I mean, the, it's just, it's, um, it's just very humbling. So. Yeah. It's just so exciting. And obviously I feel so warranted, but like you said, we all, you know, we don't bank on that validation, but it's still such a mm-hmm. boost to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the other thing I love that you do, which what do I not love that you do, but you do seasonal bonbons, mm-hmm. which I think is the coolest idea ever. And while there's a part of me that's like, I want that spring bonbon back. <laughs> well, you can, always, get it. you can always special that <laughs> I know, I know. But it's actually so yeah. neat because then it's like, I really do. And I love celebrating the season. So it just so aligns with me. Like each season, it's like, okay, no, I'm going to have the tiramisu and the pumpkin spice bonbon. And then, you know, as spring comes around, it's whatever the spring ones are. But is that what made you want to do that? Well, first of all, it's only me. So I can, I was like, well, the more products I grow, like I have to be able to manage the production, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, that instantly put me into like, okay, I need to make this more seasonal, because like, there's no way I can have, you know, if I make 
have I have 50 bonbon flavors? I can't offer 50 bonbon flavors at any given time. It's just not efficient in, in production. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then, um, you know, um, I, when I kicked off my business, it was Easter. And so for Easter, my, my dad always gave my mom a big chocolate egg full filled with stuff. Um, filled with different chocolate pieces and then we crack it open and you know everyone would come around and be like oh my god what's inside and like and then when I went to Italy I realized well that's like uh, that's actually a big thing like all the chocolatiers are kind of known for their eggs and they're really elaborate and decorated but you put but they actually put an object inside so like if you're going to families like you could have like you know jewelry or I mean like they're actually you know they put you know it's not just chocolate inside. So, um, so that kind of kicked off, you know, and the Easter eggs and, and that, you know, that kind of made me start thinking like, you know, oh, geez, every season should have its own filled object. And, you know, the flavors, um, because the other thing is, is that since I'm buying, um, you know, local fresh, um, you know, you can't get good strawberries all year round. I mean, I mean, Mm. you can use different purees, but you know, it's like, and, and then plus I wanted my customers to keep coming back. Right. So it's oh, like, yeah. and keeping you excited for kind of the next season. So that's been really fun. And then you can play with the colors and et cetera. So it was very deliberate in, in why I chose it that way. Um, and the other thing is, is that I have a whole corporate side of my business. Um, so on a corporate gifting standpoint, events, et cetera. And that's where I do more color branding. So it'll be like your event or your your company's color palette, their branding palette. You know, it'll, I'll hand paint to reflect that, but it's also my, it's my pieces. So, so mm-hmm. I have that aspect of my business, which has been great that, you know, during COVID, as that has slowed down a little, I mean, it's picking back up, I still have the seasonal stuff to, to play yeah. on. So, um, so yeah, so each season kind of rotates in, obviously, slightly in different bonbons, bars, and confections, but I have, like, you know, a handful of things that stay pretty staple, because if I, if I made them, you know, like the Carmelos, if I made them only a certain time of year, I think people would, like, lose their minds on me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm gonna, but, so starting in November, I'm rolling out, I'm calling it, um, um, tune in Tuesday and there'll be a new item. Oh my gosh. So okay. yeah. So this is kind of new. So I'm trying to play into it as we go into, you know, the next, this, you know, kind of our next season really starts from now through, um, through, um, mother's day. Um, so what I'm trying to do is kind of keep it fun now, knowing that, you know, we're still at home. Um, you know, some people still have their kids at home, you know, it's just, we're just in a really funky time, right. Of uncertainty that like, it's something to tune into, to see like Mm -hmm. what new item I'm doing for that week that you're going to have available right away to come and purchase and do curbside pickup or shipping. So that'll kind of play also into the seasons. Um, so that'll be something kind of, fun. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. I can't wait. Okay. So now you have to just, let's start with a season we're not in. Give us like one or two bonbons for each season and then end it, you know, close it out with the, the bonbons that are going to go live in November. Mm, okay. Okay. So obviously what we, um, Thanksgiving, you kind of just mentioned, or I should say the harvest harvest collection um so we'll be um holiday collection um announces next week um so the holiday collection it it just so happens that um you know the italian colors are very similar to the holiday colors 
So it's kind of fun to play on that. So um, as as you know, like I do my ornament and that's filled with a bunch of different, you know, like the candy cane bars, salted caramels. And um, Janduya is a tr traditional hazelnut chocolate from the Torino area. But from the bonbon flavors, it's um, Barolo. I do like a Barolo wine reduction with a dark chocolate ganache. Um, the the Gucci Dotty truffle that I had just mentioned. I do a clove, which I know you like. Oh God. <laughs> so I, so say, good. I say, I say clove and everybody's like, Ooh, clove. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, uh, it's based off a clove, um, uh, um, Sicilian cookie. So it's like cinnamon, clove, allspice, um, and a milk chocolate ganache. My milk chocolate's a 41%. So it's not as sweet. So again, like you said, I'm, I'm balancing the sweetness of the product. Um, I, um, uh, I have a couple other things that I'm not going to give away yet. Um, so that kind of, so, so that kind of, I do a Christmas tree, a chocolate Christmas tree um, that is awesome to like indulge with your whole family. So it has like, um, it's basically, um, it's, it, they're solid pieces for like the branches. It stacks up and then, you know, like 20 people can enjoy it. It's a real, mm -hmm. it's a really great piece to take somewhere or to gift, um, gift somebody. Um, so then you go into Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day um, is, of course, all hearts, not totally hearts, because I don't want it to make it look too tchotchkeish. But I always do like a jewel box. So it's a chocolate heart that opens up. So it's considered like a jewel box where but you can eat the in the, the cover and the bottom of the heart. So it's, um, and then they have an assortment of six pieces inside. Um, so Valentine's Day, um, I typically, um, that's where I'm introducing a little bit more of um, the fruits that are in season. Um, okay. I always have to do the limoncello bonbon for Valentine's oh. Day. Um, but I'm going to have um, a couple different passion fruit. Um, um, there's a specific banana dessert, um, banana orange dessert that if you ever have been to Lake Como, there's a little island um, that has a restaurant on it and they serve this amazing dessert on there that I just, if I could just eat that for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. So I've been, I've been trying to replicate, um, replicate that. Um, my Bellissima bar. So that's, um, it's a white chocolate. So typically people don't, um, have never had a true white chocolate, which is, you know, uh, a good white chocolate is a derivative of theobroma and cacao and it's the, the cocoa butter from it. Um, the white chocolate I use is absolutely fantastic. And um, I mix it with raspberry, strawberry, um, a little bit of hint of Sicilian sea salt and it has gold on it and rose petals. Um, it's very traditional. But then for the men, I do, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say men. Everybody loves it because, like, there's a lot of bourbon drinkers out there. I know it doesn't sound very Italian, but my husband is Italian and he likes bourbon. <laughs> so like, so like a little tiny, but I use a little um, salt in there, whatever. So I do a big heart um, for that. So there's just fun stuff. Um, so and then Easter's all you know, all different filled eggs. Um, you know, you got to go back to um, different childhood memories of you know your peanut butter eggs um, that you would get. Um, I do different solid rolled eggs. Um, I do, um, there's a, I do a sesamo bars based off a, a Sicilian sesame cookie that's, you know, white chocolate mixed with dark to give it like a little caramel color, but not flavor with a little sea salt and um, uh, sesame seeds. Um, but some of the new stuff throughout the year, um, I do a lot of work with hazelnuts. Um, I'm doing more work with pistachios. 
Um, I'm starting to make some of my own flavored chocolate. So I'm actually making it. So I'm starting with the nibs. I have a little melanger. So there'll be some like limited editions of that. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on some, um, actually some vegan bonbons. Um, oh, so wow. yeah, so, you know, um, to just not so much, um, I mean, I have a lot of customers that are vegan. I mean, I have, I probably have about six different vegan products, you know, like my fig that's just stuff with the almond organic lemon peel dipped in 74% dark. That's phenomenal. Um, and, uh, but you know, I, the bonbons are always like, we want the bonbons, you know? So, oh yeah. So I'm working on that. And then I'm also this a little hint. Um, so I also have, um, I'm working on a couple different spreads. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> don't me. If you don't. <laughs> so, um, you know, oh, so I know like people like something that has like a hazelnut brand that we all know oh, of. God. So, and then maybe mixing a little caramel in there, coffee. Oh my gosh, stop. (laughs) And so, yeah, I got these really cute jars from Italy. Oh my God. Um, That is insane that you say that though, because we, it's like, you know, I can't eat Nutella anymore because I have gone to Italy and gotten like Mm -hmm. the fresh made sort of hazelnut spread there. And now what I have to do is go to Italy in LA. Yes. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's just not as fresh because it's been imported. So you just yes, blew so. my mind. <laughs> yeah. Is, oh so, so yeah, like, so I mean, obviously, any of the different coffee, um, I'm actually working right now. So for next week, my tune in Tuesday, uh, um, that I'm working on, I'll give you a little heads up. But um, so I had started with last year. Um, so I'm calling it a Toscano caramel bonbon. But I'm basically taking kind of the herbs of the Tuscany region. So, you know, if you've ever had um, like their, um, like the flank steak, like their different meats are, you know, they'll have like rosemary, garlic, oregano, basil, um, sometimes a little bit of salt, but, you know, just those earthy, those earthy herbs. Um, So that is in a dark chocolate ganache infused. And then there's um, a caramel layer. So it's actually like, you know, I'm very, what I, when, again, I go back to experience. When you bite into something, sometimes you bite in and it has a caramel in it and it's runny and you wear it. Mm -hmm. Like it ends up down the front of your shirt and you're just like, I wish I would have known, right? Because how do you know when you bite into something, right? So, um, so it's, um, so the caramel, it doesn't do that, but it's not like my caramel that you have in my turtle or my salted caramel, which has more structure. So, um, so that is something fun. So like, there's always, there's just always stuff, but I have to be careful because, you know, I have to balance the production. So you can't have too many things at any given time. So that's why I go back to kind of that seasonal, that seasonal part, um, um, Taroni's. Um, so like, that's like a nougat, um, and you know, like, so I'm working on some um, Janduya marshmallows. (laughs) <laughs> mm, oh my gosh yeah and you also have you know I know in the harvest collection you also have the pumpkin spice bonbon mm-hmm. and the tiramisu bonbon mm-hmm. which is I've never had something of yours that I didn't love mm-hmm. I do have my favorites the clove hands down you've had the espresso best. haven't you oh my god the espresso yeah. too mm-hmm. oh god yeah those are like I think from the now are those part of the harvest collection or is that like a Christmas no that's in the harvest but I usually have the espresso the espresso and the Barolo tend to stay out there longer okay um uh 
Yeah. Because I don't see the clove online. No. (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then my bars, you know, then I do a, um, you know, then I do like 74% is probably the highest percentage of cacao that I do. So for the purist who just wants a higher percentage of cacao, um, solid bar, you know, with, you know, low sugar. So I have a couple different, um, more of those. And then I'm, um, I'm working on a rose and, um, uh, milk chocolate bar. Some people oh try, try to get, try to have me, they want my turtles to be a milk chocolate. So again, going back to the sweetness aspect, you know, I really balance that. My caramel, um, for my tartarugas are, you know, sweet and mixing it even with a richer milk. I mean, they're still too sweet. And so mm-hmm. I won't do it. So, so then it see, again, it's, these are choices. Like it's okay to say no. Right. Because yeah. Again, I have to like what I, there's a reason why I'm doing it. And, you know, there's room for everybody, you know, if they find someone who makes them, you know, a milk, um, you know, tartaruga, like, great, you know, like, people want me to make different, you know, you know, molds and different shapes and stuff. And it's like, you know, I have to purchase the molds, like, I don't have the unlimited budget. And then again, it it goes away from the artistry. You know, I always say, I don't want to be a tchotchke chocolatier. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the how do you say it? Nocciole? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. The dark, the dark chocolate with the hazelnut and the salt on top mm-hmm. is just like I'm so glad you have that year round yeah. because yeah. oh my it's just the perfect mm-hmm. little like crack off a piece every day. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, Amy Joe, thank you so much. I mean, of truly, I, I like nerd out over this stuff. I love like there's so many other questions I could have asked you. And so what I have to say is, guys, you just need to go to the website, browse through all the bonbons and the bars and the confections. This will be one of the best gifts you can give anyone, stocking stuffers, whatever it is, or just for yourself for kits and giggles, because it's so delicious. But I want to kind of close out because I think, again, one of the most unique aspects is your story. And so for someone who maybe is in a job that doesn't fulfill them, their soul is yearning for something else. What words of encouragement, what kind of words of wisdom do you have for them? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that if you, well, first of all, everybody deserves to find what their passion is. You owe it to yourself. Okay. And even though you, you know, you're working crazy hours or, you know, you're doing the hardest job as being, you know, a stay at home mom, whatever it is, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you deserve to kind of figure out what fuels you. Okay. So I say to people who are, um, you know, young in in life um, and trying to figure out their career, um, if you can start figuring out your passion try to build your career around your passion. Okay, first off. So I always say like, somebody wants to be an attorney, you know, maybe an art is your thing. Maybe you do contract law and you work with different art, you know, artists and art galleries. You know, you just, you gotta start, you know, you might get that, get there day one, but that's kind of your goal. Um, Someone who has been in their career or they, you know, are, you know, um, you know, a stay at home mom and their, their kids are to the point where they can, they have some extra hours. You know, I think that it, you, you still owe it to yourself to, to do something. And it could be as simple as like volunteering, 
or stuff on the side because not everybody has the luxury to quit their income and like start something new, right? Um, but you somehow have to work that little bit of joy into your, if you can't do it into your day, into your week, just a few hours. Um, and you can see how that can grow. Um, I, I just, I really think that, you know, we get into the rut of our daily lives and then time passes us by and then we start looking back and we're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what makes me happy anymore, you know, and your, and your happiness doesn't have to equate to like, you know, doing, you know, starting a business by no means, you know, it can be volunteer work. It could just be needlepoint, you know, like needlepoint like nobody does that anymore right you know yeah you know it could be something that you used to do with your mother or your grandmother or you or canning or you know something that that you have fond memories of that brings you joy Hmm. you know and and if you want to make a career out of it all I have to say is is that you have to know what's your passion because if it's not your passion, it doesn't matter what job you're in, you're still going to have that same, you know, unsettling, you're working so hard, you're not getting, you're not happy. You know, if it's your passion as an entrepreneur, and you're doing, you're doing the actual thing that brings you joy and happiness, and you can work 20 hour days, and you're still like, like, granted, you're not like, there's going to be some days where you're but you're still going to be fueled because you got to keep that fuel you have to generate yourself. So if it's not your passion, you know, I highly recommend you doing something different, but if it is, that'll help you face the fear. Um, But again, you don't have to start a business with it. You can just, even at home, like, like I said, canning, like all, there's so many different things that we've learned through the years that we don't do anymore. Writing a thank you note, you know, sending a card like each week. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to send, you know, three cards a week in the mail to different people. It could be even scheduling a phone conversation. You know, there's certain things about connecting. That's all I'm doing is I'm connecting with people through chocolate. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. everyone has their different medium of how they're connecting. And so that to fuel you to, you know, so if you're, whatever your passion is, use that to connect. And that's where, you know, hopefully you get your joy and happiness. Yeah. I think it's, I love that you made a distinction between find what your passion is and incorporate it into your life, but it doesn't have to be a business. I think we're in a little bit of an era of be an entrepreneur, start your own thing. It's so easy, blah, blah, blah. And there's, I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, I want to I want to do what I love or I want to have things I love in my daily life, but I don't necessarily want to quit my job, you know, sell everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. It's so interesting. You say that too, because this year in sort of my, my reflections of the last year at the start of 2020, I really sat down and asked myself, I made a list. What makes me happy? What lights up my soul? And then I made a list of what do I need on a daily basis? on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis to fill my cup and fill my soul. And it was, you know, it was things like having alone time, being outdoors, hiking, movement, traveling. And I just think 
life is too short to not have something that lights you up every single day. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just, you know, 20 minutes of being Mm -hmm. lit up with something that just absolutely is so fulfilling to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I know that, you know, with some of my, you know, my friends, I mean, like I say, like, I think, uh, I think, you know, a mom is like the hardest job ever. And especially, you know, even if you're working or if you're stay at home and, um, you know, you give, you give every ounce of yourself and, and you, there's no room left for yourself. Right. And, and I always say like, that's okay right now. You know, like this too shall pass. Right. You know, you're in that middle between, you know, like two, let's say babies to like, you know, seventh eighth grade, like of just like, you know, for 10 years until they're a little bit more independent, you're just like, you're in it. Right. But it's the most important thing because you're creating these humans and you're creating their values and moral structures and everything. But this too shall pass. And so maybe you just journal, you know, you just journal things to start because at one day you're going to have that time that comes back to you to then do it, you know, because we don't, they don't have sometimes the luxury of 20 minutes, you know, like, you know, to barely even take a shower, let alone, you know, so that's where I'm like, you know, there's going to be a time in everyone's life where you're going to be like, okay, like you're going to evaluate your happiness because you're going to like time will stop a little bit and just slow down. And I think this through this COVID period, I think that's something we've learned, right? Because time stops, everything stops, you know, and we're, we're reevaluating how we connect with people. We're reevaluating what is our, you know, essential needs, you know, how do we get them, you know, um, you know, the ability when things are taken away from us, you know, how that translates, you know, you can't travel, you can't this, you can't go see family, you, you know, we're covered up, you don't see people's smiles, like, you know, there's so much that's going on, kids are home, you know, but you're starting, we, you, you look like, the, like you said, the glass half full of like, wait, I want to connect better with people. Like, I miss this. I, I'm a hugger. Like, I miss hugging people. Like, it's not normal for me, you know? So I think as we transition, you know, out of this, I, I pray to God we're in a better place physically and emotionally to start realizing like, okay, maybe all the other stuff we did, like, that goes to the wayside. And we do have a little bit more time in our life to have that 20 minutes um, to be like, okay, I need this. And it's a priority because if we aren't at our best, like nothing works right. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even in our households. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, Amy Jo, thank you so You're much. Welcome. Thank this you. Was such an honor. And I cannot wait for tune in Tuesdays. I'm going to set right? notifications on Instagram. I know. I can't wait. I'm like, I hope I pull this off. No, I won't. See, it's fear. <laughs> See the fear creeping in? See right there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just always there. But I love that. Well, again, thank you so much. I cannot oh, wait to get this out there. It's an honor. And-